Today, I'm going to talk about one of my heroes from the Bible, or kind of use one of my heroes as a, um, as a launching pad. But I, I've just got to be honest with you, there is something stirring in my spirit today that God wants to do. I've heard it all morning long, heard it in our, in our opening, in our worship, God, in our transition time, as Tim was talking there. How many people believe God is still able to do exceptional, amazing things in people's lives? Amen. I believe that, and I believe today is going to be one of, those, one of those watershed moments, one of those hallmark times when God's going to just help us to move to a new level in, um, in, in Him and in Him in our lives and what He wants to do in us. So, um, so my, one of my heroes is a guy named Nehemiah, uh, or as uh, some people say, the shortest man in the Bible, right? Nehemiah. Um, so... Um, Ah, uh, I was waiting. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, but uh, Nehemiah, one of the reasons that he's one of my um, one of my heroes, is because Nehemiah talks about and deals with gates, gates more than anything anyone else in the Bible. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned to you that um, in preparation for this year, that um, the Lord had we'd been seeking the Lord, we'd been spending some some time praying and fasting and. And the, word, the Lord gave a word about gates, about, uh, and I shared it with the elders, and one of the elders, uh, Matt, Pastor, or Matt Broadfield, mentioned that um, there was a scripture in Isaiah 62 that says, um, matter of fact, we've got that scripture, I think Isaiah chapter 62, it says this, it says, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up build up the highway, take out the stones, and lift up a banner for the peoples. And as I've spent some time with that scripture, with that verse, I found out that's a pretty powerful verse. And what, what it's saying is it's saying, if you'll take the step that God wants you to take, go through the gate, then you can be in a place where you can remove obstacles for other people to come to the Lord. How many people think that's a pretty good idea? Amen? And I think it's a fantastic idea. And I believe that that's something about that God wants to do today. Now, when you and I start thinking about gates, we might be thinking about some gates that look uh, something like this. How many people have a gate maybe that looks uh, something like this, um, this picture? This, uh, how many people have a gate that looks like that in their yard? Anybody have a gate like that in their yard? We have one in our, in our back in a little fenced-in area there, okay? Or maybe you have a more elaborate gate in your life. Maybe, you know, <clears throat> this, this is the entrance to your home or to your, uh, right, to your, uh, your place there, so... But in, in biblical times, this is not what gates were about. Gates weren't just uh, little doorways. Gates were designated areas, something that looked more like this. All right? So that, that whole area there is, would be called a gate. And if you look through, you can see there's, men, there's, there's multiple passageways that you go through to go through a gate, or maybe it would look something like this, all right? So just a whole designated area that would be an entry point. So in these, the, the, these areas here, actually what they were, these gates in Bible times, they were kind of places of transitions. They were places where maybe you were, <clears throat> you were entering in or you were exiting, but you weren't, completely, uh, you weren't completely in or you weren't completely out. They, um, they weren't places to live. They weren't places where you were to stay forever. They were places where you would come in or that you would uh, go out. Um, they were safe places, secure places, <clears throat> but again, they weren't, they weren't perpetual abiding places. When I think about them, I think about 
times when I've been uh, visiting and in prisons. And uh, has anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand if you've, you know, have you been to a prison to visit, okay? Uh, okay, we've had a few people. I know some of the rest of you, I think I've seen you in some of those places. But, um, uh, <clears throat> but what happens when you go to a prison is you kind of enter through a gate, but you're still in the gate area. And then you might enter through another gate and another gate and a series of gates. And that's kind of how it worked in biblical times. There were, um, these gates were gathering places. These, they were areas. They were places where, where, where people would meet to, many times they would meet to do business. They would meet there. There would be a, um, some type of official business, government business that needed to, took, to take place. And, and, and leaders or people involved in making these decisions, they would meet in these gate areas. Uh, many times, if a king made a decree and said, this is going to be the law of the land, or this is what we're going to do, or this is where we're going to go, many times that decree would be made known in the gate areas. People, leaders, rulers would be called together and they would be, um, then this king's decree would be made public. Local authorities would meet, and they would handle local uh, issues and items. M- many, many times, um, <clears throat> judgments, okay? When there had been a judgment made about someone, or uh, a case had been settled, or a, some charge against someone had taken place, these sentences would become known. They would be made in these gate areas, um, many times we see where elders from different tribes or different uh, um, groups would come together in the gate of a city and then and they would handle decisions they would maybe there had been an offense or maybe there was some some uh, type of a business like a, maybe a selling of some property that would take place and this would happen in the gates so gates were very official places they were the designated areas where um, commerce and, and transitions and judgments and decrees and and very important issues were settled in these gates Throughout the scripture, we see a number of examples of this, and we won't go into all these, but, but Abraham bought land for his, um, for, for his wife to be buried. He, he bought a cave, and, and that was settled among the, the elders of these. Of this, um, the, they came to a price, and, and it was decreed in the gates where this happened. Saul, um, does anybody remember the story of Samson? Do you remember when he defeated his enemies one time? What did he do? What did he, do? he went and he ripped the gates Okay, the doors off the city, and he made the gates become a very vulnerable place, and he burned those gates. David, the scripture talks about how that David sat in the gates, and he rendered judgments. He gave appointments to people. One of the great things that I think that took place was um, there's a guy named Boaz in the Bible. How many people read about Boaz this week in your devotional reading, right? Just uh, so. But Boaz, in the book of Ruth, Ruth um, needed to, anyhow, her husband had died, and, and really for her to be able to have another husband, they needed somebody from the family lineage, and, and so Boaz had to go and get permission, and the, the Bible says that he redeemed her, that he, he brought her into a right place, that he, he brought her and himself in a, to a place where they could be married, and they could have a family and have a beautiful, beautiful story that took place in the gates. And, um, In the scripture, there's a couple of different times where there's a blessing that goes like this. It says, may you possess your enemy's gates. You know what that means? It means may you have authority over your enemy's gates. We're not going to get into this today, but maybe the next week or so we'll talk about this. But but you remember when Jesus said 
that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church, right? I mean, anybody here part of the church, part of the church of Jesus Christ, amen? You know what that means? It means that the gates, the authorities of hell, these, these places where hell would try to make decrees, they cannot resist us. We can come and rip the gates of hell right off its hinges through the power of Jesus Christ operating in and through our lives. That deserved a much bigger amen than that, guys. I'm telling you, that's good stuff, amen, to know. It's really important for us to know this, that gates were powerful places. So the blessing was that, um, that, you would, that you would possess the gates of your enemies. Another blessing, another part of a blessing went like this. It, say, it says, may, the, may your enemies never enter your gates. I think that's a powerful thing, that, that our enemies, we never let the enemy come and have access to, the, uh, to these places of, 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 of judgments, these places of decisions and decrees, these places of authority in our lives. God doesn't want that for us. And, and so God's got some great, very important things. I just encourage you, go and look up, <clears throat> go and look up some of the scriptures about gates uh, during your devotional times this week. But in Nehemiah, <clears throat> in Nehemiah, I want to introduce you to the character Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. It came to pass in the month of Chislev in the twelfth year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who were left from the captivity in the province are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. How many people know that if the gates have been burned with fire, if these, these doorways and, and this whole area has been consumed, it's been destroyed, that that means there's trouble in the city, right? And so here we see Nehemiah. Nehemiah's, now the thing I love about him, he's just an ordinary guy. As a matter of fact, his life was expendable. He was the king's cupbearer. Do you remember what a cupbearer did in the Old Testament in biblical times? The cupbearer was the one who would not just bring the king his wine to drink, but he is the one who would take the first drink. Do you know why? If somebody poisoned it, right, guess who, got, who, got, who was going to die, right? Not the king, but the cupbearer. He was in bondage, but yet he kept his heart uh, sensitive. <coughs> Excuse me. Nehemiah chapter 2 goes on and says, that um, when Nehemiah heard about this, they'd have been praying and fasting. It says, so Nehemiah got permission. If you haven't, don't know the story of Nehemiah, I encourage you to go in to read the book of Nehemiah. It's an easy read, just a few chapters. It says this, it says that Nehemiah got permission from the king and he went to Jerusalem. And it reads like this in verse chapter 2, verse 11. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. <clears throat> then I rose in the night. I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put in his heart. I love that. God had put something in his heart. Can I tell you this morning that I believe that for every person here, that there's been a deposit, there's some kind of a dream, there's some destiny, there's something that God wants to do, and he's put something in your heart. He's put something in your heart for you to be, and he's put something in your heart for you to do. And he says, so, I told no one what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, nor was there any animal with me except the one on which I rode. And I went out by night through the valley gate to the serpent well and to the refuge gate 
And I viewed all the walls of Jerusalem for which were broken down and its gates which were burned with fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal under me to pass. So I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and I entered the valley gate. And so I returned. We see here that Nehemiah was taking a step. He was going through the gates to discover God's intention and God's purpose. I've got about 10 things real quickly that I want to show with, share with you about observations from Nehemiah's life. Now, these are going to be real quick, okay? And if you don't get them all, don't worry about it. We'll email them out to you. But these are kind of life lessons from Nehemiah that helped him to rebuild the gates of Jerusalem, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and accomplish God's purpose in his life. And that's what we want to see. That's what God wants to see for each and every one of you that his purpose would be fully lived in your life by his spirit and for his glory. Amen? Lesson number one. Nehemiah did not let his life situation or his job define him. He, he was a captive in Jerusalem. Uh, he was a captive outside of Jerusalem in, a, in another city, in another place. He had been taken into bondage, but that didn't stop him from being who God called him to be. Even though his life was expendable, he kept a compassionate and a committed heart. Let me tell you today, if you're in a difficult place, if you're in a difficult situation, if you're in a difficult job, a difficult relationship, if you're, if you're caught maybe just in a, some type of a, of a pressure situation of life, can I tell you that that situation does not get to define who you are. Only God gets to do that, amen? So keep a compassionate and a committed heart to the Lord. Second, he acted boldly. Motivated for God's people, for God, for God's people, for the city of Jerusalem. He was motivated by love and with a heart of integrity. He goes to the king and he asks boldly to be able to accomplish something that was way beyond his situation in life or his circumstances in life. The third thing, not only did he act boldly, but he asked boldly. When he went to the king, he didn't just ask for permission to go and to accomplish something for himself. He asked for the king to give him everything that he needed, to give him letters of permission to uh, have authority in the city. He gave him letters of permission to acquire goods that were going to be needed to to rebuild the walls, to bring the people together. Folks, I'm telling you, sometimes I believe we lack in the ability to accomplish God's purpose because we simply haven't asked boldly enough from God. We simply haven't asked for enough. We've settled that. I just need enough for today. And can I tell you that God is able to not only give us enough for today, but he's able to give us enough to be able to share with others to accomplish every purpose. Look, I know that there are some of you, some of the young people that are sitting here today, and you're wanting to go into some places of, of ministry, and you're looking at trying to get to colleges and get degrees, and, and I'm just here to tell you today that your financial situation does not determine the destiny of your life. God determines the destiny of your life. Amen? So, act boldly, ask boldly. Number four, he started where he was, not where he wanted to be. If he'd had a choice, he would not have been in bondage. He would have not been a captive. He would have been someplace in some position of power and authority to accomplish God's purpose. He started where he was. I am so 
<clears throat> excuse me, I'm not sick and tired of it. I'm just, <laughs> it concerns me when I hear people say, when I get a certain position, when I get a certain status, when I get a certain bank account, then I'll be able to do such and such. Can I tell you that those things don't determine what you get to do and who you are? God gets to determine that, amen? So today, don't let your circumstance of life, don't let your position, don't let the car you drive, the bank account that you have, the apartment that you live, don't let that determine who you are. Go ahead and host a group now. Go ahead and live generously now. Go ahead and accomplish great things. Attempt great things for the kingdom. Now, don't wait, amen? Amen. Five, he got free from debris. All right, every place he went through Jerusalem, the one scripture we read, read there said that he couldn't even go through one of the gates because the debris was piled so high, his animal couldn't, uh, his couldn't make it through. Listen, if your life is filled with junk, don't let junk prophesy your future to you. Amen? He climbed over the junk and later came back and removed all of the garbage. So don't let the debris, don't let the stuff, don't let the junk, don't let the garbage that's going on around you, that's going on in your life, make you say, well, I can't accomplish anything because of all the stuff. That's just not true. Everything is possible with God, amen? There's nothing that limits his ability to work in and through our lives, amen? Number six, he refused to be a lone ranger. He knew his destiny involved others. Listen, folks, our lives, we are part of communities, our vision. Connect with God, connect with others, right? We're in this together. We're in it together. We pray one for another. We encourage each other. Our destinies together are, in, are they're linked together. Number seven, he overcame his enemies. He refused to be discouraged or be distracted. Read the story, folks. There were enemies that actually pointed in his face, made threats to him, accused him. They did all kinds of things, but he did not get discouraged and he did not get distracted. I believe we've heard it said, and I'll get to that in a minute, but time and time about joy. Man, I see so many people walking around in discouragement, walking and discouragement's distracting us from who our God is, what God has said, and what his plan is for our life. I'm telling you, I don't care how high the garbage is. I don't care how difficult the situation is. I don't care how many enemies you have standing in front of you. All I know, if God says go, then go. Go through, go through. The enemies will fall to the left. The enemies will fall to the right. The thousand come against you. If they come in one way, then the Bible says they'll flee seven ways. Amen? Who are you going to trust? God or your circumstance or your enemies? Trust God. Number, number eight, he did not stop halfway. He didn't just get in the middle and stop. He didn't just go a little bit and stop. The scripture says even when the wall was halfway completed, he pressed on to build it totally and completely. Number nine, he continually relied on God for strength and for strategy. Number 10, he used his success as an opportunity to worship and glorify God. Can I say to you today that God's intention, God's desire, God's destiny for each and every person here today is for you to be a success. Does nobody believe that? I mean, he wants you to be a successful man of God and a successful husband, a successful father. He wants you to be successful in your finances and in your marriage and, and a successful woman and a, and a successful mom. He wants these things for you. He wants to do it in you and through you so that you can influence others for his glory and for his honor. Amen? 
So, Nehemiah was willing to go through the gate that the Lord had opened for him, and that included going through a lot of other gates. God made it possible for him, and God will make it possible for you. God will make it possible for you. God will make it possible for you. Turn to somebody and say, God will make it possible. Turn to somebody else. Tell them, say, God will make it possible for you. Amen? In the book of Acts, we see God continuing to do this. I love this section of scripture in Acts chapter 12, talking about Peter. He was in prison. He was in jail. Verse 5 says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. How many people here would like to know that the whole church is praying just for you? Some more of you need to raise your hands. I'm telling you, okay, you need it, all right? You need the prayer. We need the practice. And so, okay, but constant prayer was offered to him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, out of the prison for sentencing, that night Peter was sleeping. He was bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before him, uh, the guards before the door were keeping the prison. He was locked down tight, right? So now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and the light shone in the prison. Now Peter, now he struck Peter on the side and raised him, saying, Arise quickly. How many people would just like to have a good, that much of a good night's sleep? You know, <laughs> light shining, angels showing up, chains are on you, guards around you. Man, he's snoozing on until the angel has to come and poke him in the side, say, wake up, get up. Saying, arise quickly, and his chains fell off of him. Can I tell you, the word of the Lord, at the word of the Lord, every chain, every chain will fall from your life. At the word, listen to me, at the word of the Lord, every chain, every chain will fall from your life. Every hindrance, every bondage, every limitation will fall. And then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he did not know that that what was done was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Well, then they were past the first and the second guard post gate areas. They came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. It opened to them by its own accord. It didn't have a sensor on it. It wasn't an electric gate or right. It was the the Lord opened the gate before him so that he could continue to accomplish God's purpose in his life. Anybody ready for some gates to open in your life? Anybody ready for some things to change and for some places to move through some places of transition? So when they um, went through these, then they went out and down one street and immediately the angel departed from him. And Peter had come to himself. He said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and he's delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. Listen, for each of us, there's a different gate in our life. I don't know what the gate is that you're standing before today. I don't, I don't know what it is. But, but I've, I've got a few gates that I just want to mention here today and lay out before you. But what I'm really believing is that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you about some gate that you've been in, some area of transition, some area of difficulty, something you've been facing, that today it comes down, it opens up, and we go through, we go through to the next place of victory in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. How about this? How about the gate of commitment? God has been speaking to you about a higher level of commitment to him, a higher level of commitment to his word. Maybe you thought at the beginning of the year, man, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to read through the Bible, but you haven't picked the Bible up, okay? 
Now's the time for a greater level of commitment to him, to his word, to walking in the spirit. Maybe you've been stuck in the gate. Maybe there's too much garbage in your life. Maybe there's too many distractions in your life, and now it's time to clear it out. It's time to get rid of some of those things. It's time to to change some of those habits and patterns in your life. God's drawing you to a deeper level of devotion as a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe that it's time to stop growing old and start growing up. Amen? How about a gate of addiction? Maybe we should call this the gate of freedom. I believe that there have been some of us who've been addicted Okay, not just, I'm not just talking about the big addictions. I'm not just talking about the drugs and the alcohol and the pornography and the, all that. I'm, I'm talking about how many of us have become just addicted to satisfying our soul instead of pleasing our God. I, I'm telling you, as, as, as Americans, I believe that's the greatest. We're, we're so addicted to satisfying my soul. We live lasciviously. We live lawlessly. We, if we want to do something, we do it. If we want to eat something, we eat it. If we want to go somewhere, we go somewhere. We don't care what time. We don't care about cost. We don't care about the expense of our lives. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just telling you that those things will bring you into bondage when living in obedience to the Lord will bring you to freedom. It'll bring you to life. It's time that we stop being addicted to our souls. We're caught in patterns of life. We keep finding ourselves right back at the same place. It's like, does any, did anybody drive out on the, on the ice last this week, past week? Okay, when, when was that? Right, earlier in the week we had teens, now we have 70s, I mean, you know, right? So, <clears throat> did anybody get out there and spin your wheels and all that kind of stuff? All right, guys, how many did it on purpose? <laughs> I admit it, and I took the Jeep out one day and got sideways and right there, so... But just spinning your wheels. How many times have we felt like we're just spinning our wheels? We're not gaining any traction. We're not moving. Can I tell you, God's got a different plan and purpose for your life. We're caught in patterns. We keep finding ourselves in the same place. We're, we have cycles in relationships. Things go good for a little while in our marriage, and then we, you know, all hell breaks loose. And we, things go good in our, in our finances, and then we find ourselves right back in the same situation. We have situations with parents and kids and, and these cycles that just keep continuing. And I'm saying it's time for the gates to open up and for the cycles to be broken so that we can live in the patterns of Almighty God. Amen? Amen? stagnant in our financial situation and on and on and on. And can I say this? For every gate that we go through, and some gates we enter, I believe it needs to begin with Thanksgiving. You know what I've noticed? Every Sunday, every Sunday this year, somebody has mentioned the word joy. I don't know if anybody's catching that, if you're picking up on that. But every week, we've had it three or four times this morning, people have talked about joy, joy joy. Can I tell you that we will never come to a place of living and abiding joy if we don't start with thanksgiving and praise? The Bible says it like this in Psalms 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are the, his people, the sheep of his pasture. So enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Listen, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Some of us, it was said earlier today, man, we've, we've, we've lost the ability to be thankful. Thankful for our jobs and thankful for clothes and thankful for breath and thankful for, for places to live and beds to sleep in and friends and family. Thankful. 
Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. I believe that there's a gate of calling. Guys, come on out here. I want everybody to see this. We're, gonna, we're setting up a gate right here, right, right there in front of Yvette. Put her on that side of the gate, right? So, all right. But I, I believe that there's, there's gates in our lives that God's calling us to. I believe that there are many people that have been given gifts and abilities and influence, purpose in God's kingdom, calling. But maybe we've become a little bit tentative. Maybe we've become a little bit fearful. I am, when I first started thinking about gates, I am, when I moved to Texas, I can remember hearing the the expression. How many people have ever heard this expression, right? Well, he's sitting there like a a calf staring at a new gate. How many people have ever heard that expression? Okay, write it down. Okay, you learned something at church today, right? So I thought, oh, ain't that, that's a pretty good saying. Staring at it like a calf staring at a new gate. I had no idea what it meant, okay? So this past week, I looked up to see what it meant. (laughs) Do you know what I found out? I found out that cows innately have a sense of fear in them. And so when they get used to something, then, then they're not as fearful. But if they see something new, new, then it causes them to be fearful and, and tentative and, 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 and even kind of back up and they won't go through. They are literally calves staring at new gates. I wonder how many of us have done that? How many of us have let um, fear or, or worry or concern or intimidation fill our lives from stepping in to the next place and the next thing that God has for us? Can I tell you a great revelation? I wrote it in my notes here today. It says, you're not a cow. <laughs> you are not a cow. I, I, right? You're not a cow. I, I used to, when Yvette and I got, had opportunities to travel sometimes with, in Mexico and different places, we would, <clears throat> I, I know just a little bit of Spanish, and so I would always introduce her as my heifer. <laughs> I, I know th- my boss, the word is jefe, right? <laughs> so they just thought, oh, stupid American, he's mispronouncing it. So I've stopped doing that. I found out it wasn't worth it. She didn't like it, so... <laughs> Right. You're not a cow. You're a child of Almighty God. You're a son, a royal son and a royal daughter. You're part of the family. And God's got his hand. He's got his purpose upon your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Some of you say, yeah, I'd like to use my gifts. I'd like to use my talents. But the last time I did it, the last time I stepped out, the last time I tried, the last time I took a chance, I got hurt. Can I tell you, I'm so sorry you got hurt. But can I tell you this? You're going to get hurt again. You'll be hurt. There'll be some challenges. Jesus promised us that there would be some troubles. But if you let trouble, if you let difficulty, if you let hurt stop you, you were prophesying that your life will always be filled with hurt. If all it takes is just a little bit of hurt, a little bit of trouble, a little bit of difficulty to get you to stop, man, you've just declared to the enemy, all we've got to do is keep their life filled with trouble and hurt and problems. Can I tell you, God's made us to be greater than hurts and greater than problems. You'll not only be hurt, can I tell you what else you will be? You'll get healed. 
Yvette and I were talking the other day, and I, 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 I'm serious, this was a new revelation to me. There's never been a sickness in my life that I haven't been healed of. Anybody here? You have, if you're here, that's your testimony. <laughs> Amen. God will either heal us or give us the strength to overcome it. Amen? Come on, folks. Listen to this. You're either going to get healed, you're going to gain some wisdom, you're going to mature, you're going to experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit, you're going to get the opportunity to be an overcomer. And in the midst of it, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be more qualified for ministry, more qualified for leadership, more qualified for effectiveness in the kingdom of God than you've ever been in your life. And everybody needs to say amen. It's truth. It's truth. But I wasn't appreciated. I didn't get patted on the back and stroked and loved. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that didn't happen. That's not how it should be, not how it should work. But... Are you going to let that stop you? Folks, I'm telling you, I believe it's time to walk through the gate to a new place in Jesus, to a new place of power and anointing. And yes, it's going to take some forgiveness and it's going to take some trust and it's going to take some boldness, but it's time. It's time to move from the place of disappointment to the place of reappointment. Amen? Anybody ready to be reappointed in God's purposes, in God's place? I believe that. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be beneficial for you. It's going to help you. And can I tell you that it all starts, one of the first gates in, in the scripture that talks about the sheep gate, where the sheep came in. You know what that is? The, the many uh, commentators said it was, it's the gate of salvation. If, you're, if you don't have Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, today's the time to step through that gate and say, here I am, Jesus. I give you all of my sin, all my garbage, all my baggage, and I accept your new life today. Because God, I want the life you've created me to live. I want to live that life. Amen?